Welcome and thank you for listening to the CRC podcast brought to you by Pastor Ad Boschel. We believe that God is working across this platform to bring each and every believer revival throughout their entire lives. We hope you are inspired by this week's message. Just do it. All talk and doing absolutely nothing will change nothing in your life. So we are planning for overflow next year. We are planning for great and mighty things. We are planning that God is going to move mountains. We are planning that we are going to possess new territory. We are planning that we are going to see a greater move of God than ever. We are planning to expand our businesses to the left and to the right. We are planning to see revival like we never have. We are planning and we are believing God that we are going to fill stadiums all over South Africa. We are believing God, come on, Easter Harvest event in Loftus Versfeld, that we are going to see 30,000 people there, come on. We are believing God that this building will be too small, Johannesburg will be too small, Bloemfontein will be too small. We are believing God for overflow, come on, we are believing God that our best days are ahead of us. Can you say amen tonight? Come on. Come on, your best days are ahead of you. But those plans that God has for you are not just going to drop into your lap. It's going to happen as you do your part, as you do the possible. So I want to read from 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse number 14, or one. It's, it, it, verse 14, it says, It happened one day that Jonathan the son of Saul said to the young man who bore his armour, Come, let us go over to the Philistine garrison that is on the other side. But he did not tell his father. There's something where God tells you to do them that you have to be silent about. Because people will try to stop your assignment. If you, yes, if you plan to do something for God, listen to me very clearly tonight, people who are not proactive are not going to be happy. And Saul was sitting on the outskirts of Gabeah under a pomegranate tree, which is in Migron. The, the people who were with him were about 600 men. Verse number six. Then Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, come, let us go. Somebody say that tonight. Say, come, let us go. You've got to go and date that girl if you want her to go on a date with you. You've, you've got to go and get that job if you want the job. You've got to go to gym if you want to lose some weight. You've got to go and witness to your friends if you want to see them saved. Let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us. For nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. Um, you know, I learned early in my life, it doesn't matter how many people vote for you. As long as you have God's vote, you're in a safe place. Because God's vote is all that matters. And normally when God gives you an assignment, there are many people that will try to oppose you from your assignment and silence you from what God has called you to do. But if you have God's vote, you are already a majority. That means you are going to win. That means you are going to accomplish all that God has for you. 
God doesn't need an army to save a city. God doesn't need an army to bring a revival to a university. God needs one person. God doesn't need an army to finance a new church project. God needs a few people who will put up their hand and say, Lord, use me. God bless me. I'm going to be a channel for overflow. I love the attitude of his armor bearer who said to him, do all that is in your heart. Go then. There it is again. Go then. Here I am with you according to your heart. Then Jonathan said, very well, let us cross over to these men and we will show ourselves to them. Watch his brilliant strategy, monetary strategy. If they say to us, wait until we come to you, that's somebody picking a fight, right? Did you look at me? No. Well, why not? So either way, you're getting yourself into a fight, right, Pastor Jerry? You were like that before you got saved. You and your brothers, you was Willem, man of the Vista. Jesus never came to tame you. He never came to civilize you. Oh, yeah, he civilized you, but not to domesticate you. He never came to take your fighting spirit out of you. The problem with many people is when they become saved, they become like tame little lambs. And they are not those dominant people that God called them to be. Remember what the Bible says. Since the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of heaven suffered violence and the violent taketh it by force. Nothing is just going to drop into your lap. You have a big dream, you are going to have to put in the effort. A dream comes to pass, pass by much activity. Do you want to make the sports team? You have to be the person that trains harder. You need to be the more diligent one. So they, 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 this is their strategy. They say, if they, those Philistines say, wait until we come to you, then we will stand in our place and not go up to them because they're going to come and fight with us. But if they say, come up to us, then we will go up for the Lord has then delivered them into our hand and we will attack them. This is, will be a sign. Now remember, these are two against thousands of people, okay? Two against thousands. We never are in a place to be overwhelmed because we know the greater one lives on the inside of us. Amen. We overcome. No matter the odds against us, no matter how heavy the deck is stacked against us, if God meant it for us, we will accomplish it. But we have to get off our rusty dusties, our blessed assurance, and become warriors for God again and be the mighty men and women God called us to be. Because until we don't move, God's not going to move in our lives. So both of them showed themselves to the, uh, to the garrison of the Philistines and the Philistines said, look, the Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they've hidden. Then the men of the garrison called out to Jonathan, his armor bearer, and said, come to us and we will show you something. You ever been like that? I'll meet you behind the tuck shop and I'm going to show you something. Those were the good old days, right? Because if somebody said something, he had to give account for what he said. They couldn't hide behind his keyboard and hide behind the veil of Christianity. He had to own up. Amen. Oh, those were good days. Some of you may not think they were good days, but they were good days. If a guy had one too many, if a guy said something, he said, okay, I, I meet you behind the tuck shop. Break. Now we just have to say, bless you, my brother. Turn the other cheek. No. Jesus said, turn the other cheek. He never said what to do after you turn the other cheek. Amen. We are not punching bags. <clears throat> so, Jonathan said to the armor bearer, come up after me, for the Lord has delivered them into the hand of Israel. Now, his father doesn't know about this. 
His father is asleep under the pomegranate trees, like many people are, asleep to his destiny, asleep to his purpose, his assignment, asleep to delivering Israel from the Philistines. And here's a young man that wakes up, that's tired of the status quo, tired of everybody just accepting that nothing is happening. Is there a young person that believes things can be better? Is there a young person that believes more people can be saved? Is there a young person that believes there are places to go, territory to take, and that nothing is impossible with God? Come on. So Jonathan climbed on his hands and knees and the armor bearer after him and they fell before Jonathan, the enemy. And as they came after him, his armor bearer killed them. Think about this. I mean, uh, this is a kind of movie I like to watch, by the way. It, it beats brave heart. So the two of them killed 20 people in the first slaughter. Somanetsua in half an acre. I mean, two against 20. Because they decided, and I'm not saying go kill people, but they were proactive. And when they were proactive, God moved with them. The Bible says there was a trembling in the camp, in the field, and among the people, and the garrison and the raiders trembled. The earth quaked so that it was a great trembling. Then verse 20, watch what happens when they move. Then Saul suddenly wakes up, and the people who were with him assembled, and they had a roll call, and they went to battle. And if you read the pre studying verses, suddenly Paul wakes, uh, or Saul wakes up, and he says, who's not here? And he's having roll call. And there's a fight happening. He's asleep that this is a moment, an opportune time for him to get involved in a battle that will deliver God's people from the oppression of the Philistines. And indeed, every man's sword was against his neighbor and there was very great confusion. Moreover, the Hebrews who were with the Philistines, the sellouters before the time, who went up with him into the camp from the surrounding country. They also joined the Israelites who were still with Saul and Jonathan. Likewise, all the men of Israel who had hidden in the mountains of Ephraim, when they heard the Philistines fled, they also followed half after them in battle. So the Lord's so, or well, this is how the Lord saved Israel that day in the battle of Beth Avon. Now, here's the amazing thing. It takes one person with courage to stand up and that person will strengthen the spine of many other people. More than ever, the church needs decisive and strong leaders who will strengthen their back, who will be courageous and strong, who will not back down in the face of adversity because when they stand up for God, God is gonna strengthen the spine of people that are hiding, listen to me. If you will stand up for God in the university, suddenly other students are gonna stand up again. Those that have become worldly are gonna stand up again. The backsliders are gonna stand up again. All God needs is a young person with backbone and with courage that is tired of what is happening in the world and says, something has to be done. And when you stand up, everybody else is gonna stand up. When you stand up as a businessman, other businessmen are gonna stand up. If you stand up as a leader, other leaders are gonna stand up. If you get involved in social uh, justice, other people in your circle are gonna stand up for social justice. But it takes a few people to be a spark, people that will see and people who will decide something has to be done. And uh, you know, after COVID, it's, it's like a lot of people are still in a slumber. Um, the, the whole world is wrestling with it in the marketplace. 
people call it silent resignation, where 50% of the workforce are there but not there. Productivity has gone down, etc. And I think in many churches it's exactly the same. With many pastors, it is exactly the same. It is like people have gone in an absolute survival mode and God doesn't need that. The urgency of the hour demands that leaders stand up, that leaders put up their hand and that leaders become counted, that leaders become bold for God and bold to do great exploits for God. Because if leaders are silent, the people will remain silent. So Saul, the anointed of God is asleep. And the 600 choice men of Israel, they were the only people with weapons were all asleep. Because at that time, uh, the Philistines took the goldsmiths out of um, Israel. So nobody had weapons. Jonathan did, but nobody else had a weapon. That's one of the devil's plans. He wants to disarm us. He wants to pacify us. He wants to neutralize us. He wants us to become a maintenance-minded people. But God never called us to maintain. Two-thirds of the name of God is go. Every command of God is go. Go into all the world. Go heal the sick. Go preach the gospel. Go launch out into the deep. Nothing happens until you decide you are going to get up and go. So Jonathan and his armor bearer asks a very simple question. Why are we sitting here waiting for better days and more pays? Now I am a prayer and I think sometimes when I talk about prayer, in this way, people think I am undermining or minimizing prayer. Any, everything originates from prayer. I understand that. But prayer without feet accomplishes nothing. I've never seen a ditch dig itself. I've never seen a brick move itself. I've never seen money leave somebody's pocket by itself and go into the offering. I've never seen anything happen by itself. Somebody had to make a decision and say something had to be done. That is why uh, living kingdom-minded and purpose-minded is so important. That you do not get swallowed up by this world and by the agenda of this world, but that you live with a go-forward mindset as a young person. You believe in God to be a great doctor, you better go and get the degree. You believe in God to be a great sportsman, you better go and show yourself more diligent. You have to be more disciplined. You have to go and do the possible. You want to raise a great child, you have to go and spend time with that child. Nothing happens by itself. So we can pray and pray and pray. But through prayer, Isaiah heard, whom shall I sing? And who will go for us? And he had to answer and he said, Lord, here I am sent me. Until we don't get to that place place of moving out of complacency into a place of being proactive, nothing is going to change in our world. We can talk about overflow, we can pray for overflow, but until we do not go, get a shovel, dig ditches, get some empty vessels and pour the oil. Go out there, get the land, make an offer on the land, start a building project. Nothing is going to happen. We can talk, 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 and when we see another calendar year has passed, and then another calendar year passed, and nothing changes until there is somebody that says, why are we sitting? What is it that we can do? May not be the most brilliant strategy, but all it needs to be is do something. Because the worst thing you can do when the enemy attacks you or when Satan opposes you is to do nothing. Nothing will get you nowhere. 
You have to be like a Jonathan who made up his mind and he said, something has to be done. This situation we are facing is not good. We're talking about alleviating poverty. It's not going to alleviate itself. We're talking about educating young people. It's not going to happen by itself. We're talking about addressing the drug problem in South Africa. It's not going to happen by itself. We talk about um, teenage pregnancies. It's not going to change by itself. Somebody in the church has to wake up. Somebody has to say something has to be done. Somebody has to become a catalyst. Somebody has to become an activist. And when you stand up with a passion, you will see other people come out of the rocks. Other people will come out of the seeds and say, we are going to join this course because your passion is going to stir a passion in their hearts as well. So it's when they move that God moved. It's when you dig dig a ditch that God's going to fill it. It's when you pray that God's going to make the rain. It's when you go for the job interview that God is going to give you the favour. Not while you lie in bed and you say, Father, bless me, bless me. No, you have to work on your attitude. You have to dress up in the morning. You have to go look for a job. You have to be, have the best attitude. And when you get a little job, you have to apply yourself and work yourself into a permanent job and climb the ladder in that company little by little until you reach that place of directorship 20, 30 years from now. You sow your seed. God is the one who gives the increase. So when John moved, moved, Jonathan moved, suddenly Saul woke up. It's amazing when God activates somebody, how people firstly get uncomfortable. And secondly, it's exactly like in this, there's a stirring. And I, we've done this a few times in different cities, etc. The minute we go and we uh, plant a church and build a church, and especially build a, a church building, it causes a stirring in the whole community. And suddenly people that are doing nothing is sitting up and saying, and there's no criticism, is saying, hey, we have to become proactive. So this issue we are CRC. Our best days are ahead of us. We are not going to sit and talk about the harvest. We are going to launch out. We are going to lower our nets. We are going to do whatever we can. We are going to possess new territory for God. We are going to go unless we get a no. We are not going to sit and pray and pray and pray and say, Lord, what is your will? God has already revealed His will 2,000 years ago when He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Too many people are sitting, waiting for a word. You have all the word of God that you need. You lower your nets. You launch out into the deep. You pour your oil. You dig a ditch. You do the possible. God will do the impossible. You become proactive. When you move, God will move with you. Come on, when you pray, God will send the rain. Say amen tonight in Jesus' name. So, so, so Saul wakes up and he begins to pray. But God's already moving. <laughs> you know, um, when I spend time with God, I feel like a lion, not like a lamb. So I don't understand these people that pray a lot and all they are are bleating lambs. And they talk about what they want to do. And they never do. That's not a lion. <laughs> Jesus did not think about going to the cross. He went to the cross. Um, come on. Jesus did not think about dying for your sin. He died for your sin. He, he didn't talk about one day I'm going to rise from the dead. He actually rose from the grave. He didn't just talk about ascending into the heavens. He actually ascended into the heavens. 
And the same way he said, I'm coming back again. You better believe that one day he's going to come back again. And every eye is going to see. And he's going to put his feet on those Mount Olives. And he's going to rule and reign on this earth for a thousand years. And there is nothing in this world that can stop him. Because he said, this is what I am going to do. So the worst thing, as I said, we can do when we have dreams is nothing. You have a dream and you do nothing. You believe God to be a top salesman and you're not doing sales courses. You become comfortable, bad place to be. As a businessman, as a pastor, comfort is your enemy. When all the bills are paid, the building is full, it's easy to become a settler. But the Bible doesn't call us to settle. The Bible calls us to be sojourners. The Bible calls us to move from glory to glory. So if God blesses one well, then begin to believe God for another well. And after you've dug that well, then believe God for another well. But you're not going to sit and soak in the blessing of God. That's when people become all flaky. Sitting around and waiting for things to happen will not make it happen. If you're an actress, you have to go for classes. You want to be a top musician, you have to practice on your instrument. You want to be a top singer, then you have to go for vocal lessons. Nothing just happens. You have to practice your strength for your strength to work in your life. We've spoken about that for the last few weeks. So waiting for life to happen will not happen. Make it happen. Life happens to those who make it happen. The Bible says a dream comes to pass through much activity. You show me your activity, I'll tell you how serious you are about your dream. You sit and complain and murmur and wait. I don't think you have a dream. I think you have a fantasy. Or even worse, you have a nightmare. Amen. Because you hear people that talk about one day, one day, one day. No, my brother, now is all you have. And, and today is tomorrow's yesterday. You have to get busy with your now. You have to value your now. Jonathan realized we have to do something now. And they picked a fight with the Philistines. Not a great strategy. They said, we're going to show ourselves to the Philistines. If they say, wait for us, we're going to wait for them. If they say, come over to us, we're going to go over to them. Either way, we are going to win this fight because nothing stops God from saving by a few or many. Come on. You don't need a majority vote. You need a God vote. You don't need everybody to, 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 to believe in what God called you to do. You have to believe in yourself and become proactive and lower your nets and take the little steps you need to take today. Move in the right direction today. Dig the right ditches today. Make the right preparation today. Go for your dreams today. You may not wake up tomorrow, I don't know. But all you have is today. You have to say your prayers today. You have to read your Bible today. You have to get the degree today. You have to go to gym tomorrow morning. Amen. Some of you have gym membership. You've not been there for a year. And it's always the funny thing this time of the year, the gym is overcrowded because everybody wants a beach body. And it's like, 
I say, too late now, baby, it's too late now. It's not gonna work, it's not gonna work. It's too late now. A dream. <laughs> Kom jy by die kamerits, dan loof ek hier gehaard hulle bed. Jy het net wakker gevoord, jy nog en sê, die kamerits gaan hard hulle nie, nee? Jy moet slomp aan die marathonen gedoen nie. Anders het jy, anders was jy een van die ons, that are good start, is they out there in front, and they're very impressive, and they go for it a million miles an hour, but after five kilometers you don't see them, and they never cross the finish line, because they are not in it for the long haul. They, they are not prepared, they haven't paced themselves. Life is about pacing yourself. In your 20s, you have to learn. In your 30s, you have to yearn. In your 40s, you have to earn. And in your 50s, you have to enjoy. Come on, the fruit of your labor. Say amen in Jesus' name. And I don't mean to insult anybody, but if you're a tired 30-year-old, what are you going to look like at 50? Huh? If you're just floating through life in your 30s, where are you going to be when you're 50? By the time you, 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 you reach 40, you should have figured yourself out. You've got a lot of time, by the grace of God, right? Our life expectancy is much longer now. The average male now lives to 76. Women live a little bit longer, amen? Because they have less responsibility. Some of you, your greatest responsibility is to swipe your husband's credit card. Oh, now I got you fired up. I want to find me a rich man. Amen. Did you say amen? Then you all need to get saved. Please. That money is not a guarantee of nothing. Any guys. So I pray that your dream is not a daydream. I pray that your dream is not a fantasy. And I pray that your dream is not a nightmare. Because if you're not working towards it, and if you do not see the progress, it really is a daydream. If there's always a delay involved, if there's always a reason to procrastinate, if there's always an excuse, it means you are not committed to your dream. Because seeing your dream fulfilled will take commitment, Courage, faith, all your focus. Your dream is not going to happen by itself. The Israelites were not delivered by everybody being asleep. This church did not build itself. I didn't come to Pretoria and there was a building. I don't fly to Johannesburg in my supersonic intercontinental, interplanetary, private jet. I mean, if I had everything people said I had, Bill Gates would be, he would be second to me. Then Elon Musk will not be number one. I've heard, I've got everything. I've got this and I say, amen, confess it. I receive it. Amen, God bless you. I know you mean to be a hater and criticize, but I say, I receive it. I receive that I have a Ferrari. I receive that I have a Bentley. I receive that I have a, I don't want those things, you understand? But I mean, I've, I've, Apparently, I've got absolutely everything. I just don't know where it is. I'm still trying to find it. <laughs> I'm still looking for it. 
Maybe when I get to heaven. But who needs a plane then? Then we travel at the speed of light. That's going to be a super kick. 300,000 kilometers a second. Some of you get nervous at, at 80. Some of you should not be driving cars. You should Uber. And you should not be driving with a cell phone, ladies. I ride motorbike. You beautiful ladies on cell phones have taken me out almost more than anything else in my life. Women with cell phones and doing makeup at the same time is a hazard to those who ride motorbikes. You're a hazard. We should side paint your car. Hazard. Hey, we love you. God's got dream, good dreams for you, great plans for your life. Don't be phased by what's happening. Don't listen to naysayers. Just get on with the life that God has for you. You do the possible, God will do the impossible. There's always something you can do. And I pray to God that you find it, that God will show you, and that God will give you the strength and the courage to live your dream in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Hallelujah. To say this again, when, when you're passionate about your dream, those who are not passionate will try and, 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 and silence your dream. And they do it many different ways. That's why when, when, when God talks to you and you've submitted your dream to leadership that you respect, Paul says you no longer confer with flesh and blood. Your face is like flint. You put your head down and you go for what God told you because God will back you. Even if the whole world is against you. You're going to be fine. Because the whole world was against Jesus Christ, except for three women and, and, and John, the beloved. The whole world turned against him, but Jesus was fine. They couldn't kill him. They thought they did, they did not. So if God meant it for you, you go for it. Unapologetically, humbly, confidently, you go for it. You move with God. You move in power. Amen. Like those four lepers. Even they were smart enough to say, why are we just sitting here waiting to die? If we go to the city, we die. If we stay here, we die. The worst thing that can happen is die. So let's get up and go do something. The worst thing you can do is not get the job. You don't have a job in any case. Why should you feel worse about yourself if they give you a no? You dress up again the next day. You go for another interview until you get the job. And you say, this is the day. Something good is gonna happen today. You may not get the promotion, but you get better at what you do. One day you are gonna get the promotion. One day you are gonna get the breakthrough in the name of Jesus Christ. But you don't lose your fighting spirit. You don't fall asleep because of delays, because of denials, because of opposition, because of the enemy pressurizing you. No, you dust yourself off. You shake yourself off. You lift your head up high. You get back out there in the world. You look your world in the eye and you go do what you can do and you'll watch what God will do if you will persevere in Jesus' name. So we all must have a dream and go for it. And rid ourselves of every excuse because excuses are what? The crutches of the uncommitted. So your dream will cost you everything. If it's a dream from God, because a dream from God is big. A dream from God, you will not be able to accomplish for yourself. So you have to dream and then you have to be prepared to take the necessary steps. And they normally are small steps. Jonathan didn't destroy the whole Philistine army 
They started where they were with a few people. And as they moved, God moved with them. And there was an awakening. Those who sold out to the Philistines, they suddenly woke up and realised we're on the wrong side of the fence. They joined the, the battle. Those who were cowards, those who were hiding, suddenly realised they we have to engage in the battle. I'll tell you, when people of God stand up, it take, I'll say it again, a few people that will stand up, a few young people that will stand up and be voices. You will be a catalyst that causes every other young person that is afraid, that is asleep, that feels discouraged. When you display courage and you strengthen your backbone, you are gonna strengthen the spines of all those other young people. And when you see again, there's an army, there's a revival, there's a shaking, there's an awakening, but you can pray and pray and pray. But until somebody doesn't go, nothing is gonna happen in the name of Jesus. Nothing is just going to fall in your lap. You have to possess your land of promise a little by little. A child has to take a little step before that child can ever become a runner. You need to put in the hard yards now. Take the baby steps now. Work on your attitude now. Do what you can today. Tomorrow may never come. So we have to value and embrace the moment God has given us. Embrace your time as a student. We honour you for being here tonight while you're writing exams and matriculants as well. But you have to put in the hard yards when everybody else goes to the party places and they party, you put in the hard yards because you are committed to get to the top. You are not going to play a religious game and God becomes your bailout plan. No, God is the one who energizes you. He's the one who gives you vision. He's the one who directs you. Then you take responsibility for your life. You have the keys. You have the way, you have the truth, you have the life. You have to get out there and do what you can with the mind of Christ, with the wisdom of God. And there is never as good a time as now. All you have to do is just do it. Get out there and do it. Get out there and negotiate. If you did not get the deal, renegotiate. If you don't get that deal, renegotiate again. But don't ever let quit get on the inside of you. You become more determined and you become better in the name of Jesus Christ and you will see how you are gonna go and progress in life. So don't sit around and wait for a sign or a wonder or a word or a prophecy or an open door or for more favour. You have all favour. You have been blessed. You have all things that pertain to life and godliness. You have the greater one living on the inside of you. You have the angels of God on your side. You have the blood of Jesus speaking on your behalf. You have received a rich inheritance in Christ. You are a new creature in Christ. You have God's potential on the inside of you. You have the life of God on the inside of you. You are unstoppable, but you have to believe it. And you have to get up and you have to arise and shine and believe that God is for you. And I'll say it again, no matter how many doors slam closed in your face, you go knock on another door and you knock louder until the hinges of that door breaks loose until you walk into a room, Rehoboth, a place large enough 
but you never become silent. You never become a sitter. You never become a quitter. You never become a murmurer. You never become a complainer. You refuse to become a victim in the name of Jesus Christ. You be the standout person. You be the mover. You be the shaker. You be the believer. Because I'll tell you what, God will pass a million people and God will answer the faith of one man. This was Jonathan. God moved because Jonathan stood up. God didn't need an army. God needed one young man with the guts and the determination. One young man who believed that God is able to save. Nothing restrains God from saving by one or by many. You be the one person you put up your hand to be the one person who will live a significant life, an extraordinary life, a life bigger than you ever imagined, with a dream bigger than you ever imagined. But that requires your total commitment. Oh, give the Lord a praise here today, every young person with a dream. I mean, uh, when Paul writes to Timothy, he says, give yourself entirely to your vision that your progress may uh, appear to all. Now, we do staff evaluations as a church. Our pastors aren't just employed on the basis of hallelujah. They're employed and they stay, remain employed on the basis of fruit. Every employer, employee, employed by the employer, is evaluated, not spiritually. When, 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 when I came to church, when I started working in the church, thank God I had that title because I got it. Gopher. Not pastor. Gopher. And I never knew what it meant until my pastor said, Gopher means go for me. Go. Bavur sit ye. Nobody's going to get saved while you sit. Suck your thumb. You go. You have to go do the marketing. You have to go sell your business. You have to get an idea that nobody else has. You have to be proactive. Nothing just happens. So we evaluate our people. For some of our staff, it's a very exciting time because they are the proactive, forward-minded producers. For others, it's traumatic. And I ask my staff every single year, why is evaluation traumatic? Because it should be your most exciting month of the year where you can give account and you give a report of your accomplishments. Mm. Now you're saying, thank God we don't work for the church. The reason Jesus has not come back, he's waiting for the number of the Gentiles to be fulfilled. So, so you talk about God's time frame, nobody knows the return of Jesus except the Father. But in the Father's plan, where the Bible is clear, Jesus doesn't know because he'd tell us. And then you'd all backslide and just before Jesus comes back, he's going to tell you, I'm coming back tomorrow and you quickly make right with God to make heaven. No, you won't all backslide. That's just a joke. But um, I, I, personally, my brain... This brain of mine that's wired a certain way. Do not understand how people can pursue something and be unproductive, unfruitful, and produce no results. The, the two just not, it just doesn't sit right in my brain. Because if you work for a company, you should be the value adder. You should be the go-to person in that company. You should be the Joseph. 
You should be the Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. And that's why I spoke about what I spoke about this morning, overflow. If our little hearts are not right, forget overflow. If you have jealousy, envy, bitterness, strife, you backbite, you, you criticize, you gossip, forget overflow. Want your heart is fraught. There's geen geseende lewe wat voorlee vir jou nie. Want die seen van die Heere, die oorvloed van die Heere vloe uit jou hart. En as jou hart trouble is, if your heart becomes defiled, there's no future. So if you have offense, you have a bitterness, blah, 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 blah. We want to talk about everything as it's out there. No, 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 no. It's in ya. Likewise your dream. Where's your dream? On the tablet of your heart. Yeah. Where's your motivation? Yeah. Nobody ever tells me. I'd boss have wake up in the morning and pray. Nobody in my life has ever told me to pray. Nobody's ever told me to be committed. Nobody's ever told me to go to church. Nobody's ever told me to prepare a sermon. I've never had anybody ask me or, or, or tell me what I have to do ever in my entire life. As a matter of fact, I've had plenty of people try and stop me from doing what God calls me to do. Until I get to the place where I'm now, where I, I have allowed I must, and I set my face as flint, and then I become like a steamroller. I don't mean it disrespectfully, because I'm not faced by anybody's opinion, anybody's sentiment, anybody's manipulation, anybody's emotion. I'm unfazed because now I'm accountable to God, not to anybody else. That's it. So if, if, if he writes, the Bible says, write the vision, make it plain, that he may run who reads it. So if that dream is alive in your heart, it's not a, a picture on the wall. He writes on the tablet of your heart. Because that's where the motivation comes from. That's where the unction comes from. The discipline. He writes on your heart, you are, you are designed, you are called to be a doctor. Then there's that drive. I mean, I love this. You see it in young children. Some of them just have that drive without a father. It's not always the father who makes the child. Some people grow up without fathers and that little boy just has it in him. Well, that little girl is just going to be the best ballet dancer. She has that discipline in her. There's just something special about that child. Somehow at an early age, she connects with her dream and her passion and she's a standout person her whole life. So people play the game and say, I never had a relationship with my daddy. Well, many of us never had a relationship with our daddy. But you have a daddy. You have a heavenly father. You have a God who loves you. You have a God who affirms you. You have no reason to be anything less than what God says about you. Amen. I mean, I've seen people affirmed by their parents all the time and amount to nothing. I've seen people grow up in abusive homes and decide I'm going to rise above this. Now listen, until we don't get to the realization ourselves and look in the mirror, I don't know why self-reflection is difficult, but self-reflection is one of the most important things you can do as a human being. Not being critical, but self-reflection. How can I improve my walk with God? Where can I be better? Because it should be in us always to excel, right? To improve. But I cannot be in a stalemate situation and be in a place where I'm not productive and I feel okay about it. That is being backslidden. We don't slide back, we move forward. Amen. So whatever, whatever is going on in your head, only you know. And if your dream is real, your thoughts will line up with your heart and you'll be unstoppable. 
And if this doesn't work, you're going to do that. And if that doesn't work, you're going to do that. But you're not going to come every month or every year and you have a reason for not excelling in life. Because you're not going to find that reason in the Bible. God created you to be fruitful. For the last 10 years, you are talking about, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. 10 years later, you've not done it. So buddy, you're never going to do it. I said you're never going to do it. Because all you do is talk about what you still are going to do. The issue is not what do you plan to do. The issue is what have you done and what are you going to do? And this is what we learn from this story. Jonathan realizes something has to be done. And he gets up on his hands and knees. He starts where he is with what he has. One sword between the two of them. The Philistine army were armed to the teeth. But they were not intimidated. Why? Because they were God-focused. They knew they had the unfair advantage. They had God's favor. God was on their side. And if they would have the guts and the courage, I'll say it again, the guts and the courage. Guts and courage. The determination. Not spiritual waiting for a goosebump. God says to Joshua, you be strong and very courageous. He doesn't say pray about being strong. He says, I command you. You be strong. You be courageous. Three times God commands him. Why? So that you could possess the land. Because opposition will try to intimidate you. Giants will try to intimidate you. Fear will try to get into you. And then again, excuses. Reasons why you are not excelling. You have to get rid of all those reasons. Stop accepting those reasons because it will keep you for the rest of your life from progress. Is this too direct? I'm helping you, by the way. Because somehow we want to sugarcoat everything and call it Christianity. That's what Jesus did. He sent people out. He gave them talents. Then He came back and He said, I want to know how much you, you gained for me through trading. And the one who received five had five more. The one who received two had two more. The one who had one went and hid it. And what did Jesus call the one who hid it? Who just lived for himself. He said, you wicked and lazy servant. You've not used what I gave you. You shandai, 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 shandai. But your shandai has changed nothing. I tell you, I'd rather take a person that never claps his hands in church, but he gives into the offering, than somebody that claps his hand and never gives into the offering. Because the person that gives into the offering is a greater worshiper than the person that just claps his hand. Because clapping your hand costs you absolutely nothing. Shouting hallelujah costs you nothing. But the person that does the EFT, the person that is committed, that person is laying his life down. It's not a cookie jar. I mean, I have people in our church, I've been a pastor for so many years in Bloomfordane. They never shout. And they're my friends. Now, I don't say don't be a shouter. But my word, if you're going to be a shouter, then let your offering measure your shout. Woo, don't shout now. I've never seen a shout um, pay the bills. So I know they shouted and the walls of Jericho fell down, but they still had to go and, and, and fight the enemy and destroy the enemy. They didn't shout and do nothing. 
They shouted and then attacked. So we think all we have to do in church is shout and tomorrow everything is going to be different. No, you, you may have a spiritual advantage, but then you have to seize the moment and you have to get out there more determined and seize the moment and, 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 and do business, engage in business. The Bible says ruthless men retain their riches. Be smarter, work harder, be more determined, be more focused. That's the lion, right? You're not a hyena. You're not a jackal. You're not a jack. You're a lion. <laughs> Amen. Focus. Focus. And, 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 and when you go through seasons, when you are wounded, it's like any lion. You, you, you may lie under the tree and you lick your wounds, but nobody can take away the fact that you're a lion because you're going to heal again. I'll tell you something. When that lion gets back on his feet, that lion is going to go look for those other two lions that attacked him and he's going to take them out. Come on, say amen today in Jesus' name. So when God speaks to Joshua, He says, you go and you possess the promised land, but you've got to be strong and courageous. Jesus said to the disciples, you follow me and I will make you. You're not going to be made by yourself. John chapter 6, He says to the disciples, the 5,000 multitude, He says, you give them to eat. To Peter, who toiled all night, caused nothing, He said, you go and launch out into the deep again. I want to shout it out tonight. Somebody who has a dream, you've got to do something. You've got to get up, wake up, rise up and do something. Because when you move with God, you will be energized. That's called the grace of God. When you sit passive, the grace of God is not going to work. It's as you labor in your calling that God's grace is released in your life. So somebody who has a dream, please do something. Somebody that believes God for a job, a promotion, please do something. Say amen. Somebody wanting to see people say, please do something. Somebody wants to grow a zone, please do something. Somebody wanting to build a church, do something. Somebody wanting to go into the ministry, do something. Somebody that wants to start a company, do something. You've got to do something now. You've got to get up and go now. Stop thinking. Stop thinking. You may not have the most brilliant plan, but all you need is you need to get up and you need to go. You have to get busy because God guides a moving ship. When a ship is in the safety of a harbor, that ship is going absolutely nowhere. And some of you have become so used to safe, comfortable Christianity that we need dynamite under your blessed assurance to get you moving again in Jesus' name. You have to wake up, wake up, wake up. Wake up the mighty men. Wake up the mighty woman. Wake up this generation. Wake up the pastors in the name of Jesus Christ. Wake up and see the urgency of the hour. So the final instructions of Jesus is go. He didn't say sit and wait for my return. He said occupy until I come. Do business until I come. Not sit in a corner, talk about what's happening in the Middle East and pray for the rapture. Some people are praying for the rapture because they can't deal with life. Let's just be honest. Please, Lord Jesus, come. You want to escape. We have to plan as if He's not coming back in our lifetime. And we have to plan for generations. Amen. And uh, live as if He is coming back any moment. But I'll ask you this again. How motivated are you if you are doing nothing? You're not very motivated. 
if we could measure your self-esteem right now, don't talk about your Christ esteem. Don't spiritualize things with me. I'm the wrong person. Because you can sit here and hallelujah till the cows come home. But when you sit by yourself tomorrow, how good do you feel? When you look at what you are doing, how good do you feel? When you go in for that evaluation in your company, you should be the happiest. That moet nie oordeelsdag wees nie. Dit moet voordeelsdag wees. Amen. Come on. Come on. I mean, Jacob was so bold that he said to Laban, the Lord has blessed you because of me. Yeah. Potiphar saw that his house was blessed because of Joseph. Nebuchadnezzar. His kingdom was blessed because of Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel. Wherever you work, that company should be better off. When the evaluations are done, you should be at the top of the list. You should tell your husband, your wife, Honey, get ready for a promotion. Not, oh, they're doing evaluation. I don't know if I'm still going to have a job. You should be the top performer. I said you should be the top performer. You should be the head. You should be the top dog. God never made you from the bottom. God made you from the top. You are seated with Christ in heavenly places. So come on. Come on. Come on, church. Come on, believers. Let's stop talking, 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 and let's begin to walk, 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 walk. And wherever we are, let people feel the impact. Because that's who we are called to be. To go and to make a difference. Get the degree. Go study. Go work on your attitude. Go do what you can do. If, if, if they say you're not good enough, that's their opinion. And, but I'm not finished. If that's, how they, if that's how they've measured, if that's their standard, then you get back. You get back a year later and you are 10 times better. But you're not going back and say, oh, they, I'm not good enough. I've, I don't feel... Uh, uh, uh. Who celebrates that? No one. Zero. So, 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 so when you're alive in Christ, surely with it comes self-respect. Right? Were you honest with yourself? And where you measure yourself. And you measure your progress. Not when somebody wants to do something for God, now suddenly you feel insecure. Or 10 people get evaluated and you're the lowest performer. And now you don't want to be evaluated. Uh, and, and it's like a traumatic experience for you. Why? 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 When are you going to have the honest conversation that I've been trying to, to, to get your attention to have in the last four weeks? Because if God meant something for you, if it's God's dream for you, and you pursue it, nobody can take it from you. Nobody can stop it. No one can stop it because you have the grace for it. But listen, that grace will cause you to labor harder. That grace doesn't make you passive and, and, and cause you to go into a, a coma that many people call spirituality. There's nothing coma about following Christ. When, when you follow Christ and you walk in the Spirit, you are sharper, you are more alert, you are more alive, you are more creative, you are more determined, your mind is more illuminated, etc., etc. You are like this, nee, 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 nee. Maar betekent die mense wat die geestelikste is, het die minste spoed. 
want dit wat ons klassificeren as geestelik, is niet geestelik nie. Want hij loopt met de geestelike kijkje. Wat is dit? Wat betekent dit? Ha? Huh? You get out into the business tomorrow, you're not going to feel very anointed, are you? But you go out there and you do better than anybody else. You go to the university tomorrow, you're not going to feel like you have a halo over your head and a goosebump. So, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm cautious and we'll have our revival meetings, etc. But when we have these revival meetings, I'm more interested in what happens afterwards than what happens when you're in the presence of the Lord because it can become an escapism. You understand what I'm saying? Hmm. Hmm. Hello? Because what do you have? What don't you have that you still need? Tell me then I pray for you right now. What do you need? More anointing. Okay. Qualify. Where is that anointing going to come from? Where? It's going to fall out of the heaven? You see, we, we do things without thinking. And there are people without even using the word anointing that just gets on with life. You look at a person like Celine, Celine Dior, and I don't like what she stands for now, but she um, went to, in Las Vegas every night she performed, six nights a week, two shows, and were brilliant every single time for years. Years. Years and years and years and years. The best, the best, the best, the best, the best. Perfect pitch. That's why those people are so different. Because they have what we should live with. And many of them don't even acknowledge God and we have God or so we claim. Because it's like we just don't want to look in the mirror and we're not talking about the mirror of guilt and self-condemnation and things like that. We're talking about the mirror of honesty. Because if what you do makes me feel insecure, Why? Think about what I'm saying. Why do you feel insecure? If God gave you what you claim to have, how can I take it from you? I cannot. It's a big world. There's room for all of us. So your insecurity means you don't have a dream. You're not focused on the life that God called you to live. And you're like in a vacuum of escapism and it's not okay you want overflow you need to become like this Jonathan and you need to make up your mind what is it that you can do and you have to use what you have and you have to become good at what you have and you have to face your world and your giants and whatever is opposing you and you have to just do it. No excuse. If there's a mountain, move it. If there's a storm, go through it. If there's a valley, walk through it. If there's a closed door, knock louder. Whatever you are facing, you don't give up, you don't settle, you don't blame. And when next year's elections come, everybody runs back to apartheid. Now we blame people. 30 years from now, I know there's still a lot of issues we have to deal with, but listen, you're a child of God. You better get on with the life that God called you to have. 
you can have God's blessing in South Africa right now. You don't need a political party. You don't need somebody else. You have God's favor. You have God on your side. It's time for you to take yourself serious and, 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 and measure, measure, measure your progress. I mean, wait for Nick Eric, who still holds the world record. He's a member in our church. Um, and um, if, if he came last, nobody would remember him, right? Nobody would say, well, he's trying his best, but now he's running 58 seconds, 400 meters in green and gold. We'd sit there and say, ach nee, toch white man, ach nee, man, asseblief toch man, trek hy groen en goud uit, wat doen jy nou? We're not inspired. Right? So can I say this? How many people are inspired by you? Don't go now. Oh, I'm not good. Uh-uh. Change it. Change it. Yeah, change it. Change it. Change it. Jonathan had one person who believed in him. You've got your mother. You've got your wife. You've got your father. You've got your dog. You've got your friend. He had one person. His father did not even believe in him. As a matter of fact, after he got the victory, his father wanted to kill him. You know that? Because the father was what? Jealous. Jealousy makes you nasty. 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 We shouldn't be nasty Christians. Jealousy. Envy. Wanting what other people have. No. Let's get on with the life that God called us to live. And let's live full on for God. Come on. Come on, you receive the word. Give Him a praise tonight. Everybody, come on. Come on, give Him a praise. Come on, you can praise Him better than that because your offering is going to line up with your praise. <laughs> uh, if you don't have an offering, you better stop your praise. Ah. Uh, <laughs> Come on, just praise Him, man. Praise Him, praise Him. Shake that slumber out of you. Shake the sleep out of you. Come on. You wake up tonight. You rise up tonight. You get up tonight. You make up your mind tonight. And you stop focusing on what everybody else is doing. Or what everybody else is not doing. You just get on with your life. Get on with your life. Some people always stick their nose in everybody else's lives and their own lives are pitiful. You get on with your life. Get on with your business. Mind your business. Because I'll tell you this, when you have a real dream, you don't really even know what other people are doing. You don't. You're focused. You're focused. Get your focus on your dream and get your activity in line with your dream and then measure your progress because of self-respect. 
listen to me. It's a huge thing that I'm telling you now. Self-respect demands your best. Every day, every time, self-respect demands that you are your best version. Self-respect. Self-respect. And once you have it, nobody can take it from you. Because nobody can make you feel inferior without your consent. Nobody can undermine you. Nobody can make you feel insecure without your consent. Amen. Amen. I really do pray that many of you have Christ encounters and that many of you move from this. I just don't get it. I never got it. Because when I got saved, I realized people aren't going to get saved if I don't get out on the streets. Because I was in a little church, nobody got saved. And I thought, but sinners aren't coming to church. So I went out in the streets and preached in the streets. Jesus said, go. He said, compel them to come that my house may be filled. I do gym hopping to witness to people. Because I get bored in one gym. Not with exercising, but with the same people that I've witnessed to ten times. Nothing happens by itself. No matter how sincere you are. You're believing for your business to grow. Get a strategy. Your zone. Get a strategy. Get proactive. Be the spark. Be the spark. Don't try and be the spark. Be the spark. Jonathan didn't try. He woke up. He rose up. And he did it. Just do it. Do it. And if it's not working, do it again. And if it's not working, do it again. There's a lot of things I did that did not work. But I didn't give up. I did it again. And I did it again. Because I was determined. Because I had a dream. No matter what people say. You go through the opposition. But nobody does anything of significance in an easy way. It doesn't exist. You don't build anything great without intense focus, discipline, action, um, courage, nothing. So this thing that they're teaching in the education system, everybody gets a reward, you get a certificate for being in class. What load of nonsense is that? You should be in class. You don't need a certificate just because you show up. You should just respect yourself enough to show up and not get a stupid certificate because you attend class. Everybody gets a reward today. And then they get into the real life and the only thing that's rewarded is results. Then your mama's not there. I said, then your mama is not there. You go for the interview, your mama's not there. You go for idols, your mama told you you're a great singer when you sang with a brush in the bathroom, but you, you croak like a, a crow. And your mother told you, ah, you, you've got a beautiful voice. You sound like Brittany. Yeah, no wonder. And then you go for the, for the you go sing and, and, and the idols, the, the judges run away. And you think it's because you're so anointed. No, it's, it's not your grace. Please stop singing. Do us all a favor. Please listen. I have to close. 
this race we run together, yet as individuals. We'll stand before Jesus Christ as individuals. We'll give account to Jesus individuals. That's why uh, your relationship with God is, is everything and your honesty in your walk with God is everything. And keeping your heart pure towards other people. Keeping envy, bitterness, jealousy, strife out of your heart. You allow that rubbish in your heart, you'll finish yourself. Hear me very clearly. Jealousy. Envy. Jealousy, another form. Strife. Bitterness. Resentment. Eventually hatred. You can't allow those things in your life. You have to live free. And go for it. Because you have a God who is for you. A God who loves you. A God who cares about you. A God who only means good things for you. So you have to get yourself into His presence and find your peace and your identity in Him. Not in what your wife says or your son says or your daughter says or somebody else says. It's irrelevant. Their opinions mean nothing because their opinions cannot give you the grace if God never gave you the grace. No matter what your mother says, no matter what your family says, you have to be in your grace and respect your grace and stay committed to the dream that God gave you and be the hard worker. Everybody wants to be the top specialist when they see make money, but nobody wants to walk the journey. Studying medicine for 13 years, 15 years, putting in the hard yards, sacrificing for 15 years to become that specialist. They see the glamour and so it is with every area of life. There is no glamour. There's hard work and it all happens behind the scenes. The people that produce the fruit are those who put in the hard yards when nobody's watching. Nothing just happens. You be that person. You be the standout person. Why not? Why not? Why be beige? Why just be like everybody else? Why? If God created you different, unique and original, why? Why conform? Why not just accept who God made you to be and be the best at that and be comfortable in your skin and excel and feel good about yourself. Feel good about yourself. Not good in Christ, but good in your work good in your career, good in your achievements. This is not vanity. That's life. The Afrikaans said it mooi. Ek praat nou belang, so ek moet ophou. Hy sê dat, God hou jou bezig met die deugde van jou hart, wat jou werk is. Jou werk is, God is die liefde van jou hart, maar jou werk is die deugde van jou hart. It's what God gave you. You should love it. You should excel in it. Because God created you for it. It's not a curse. Before the curse came, Adam worked. Some of you think your work is a curse and you want to retire. Excuse me, what is that? What is retirement? You retire when they put you in a hole one day. Until that day, you live full. Come on, say amen, man. Your life is still ahead of you. You need to get new vision, new energy, new focus. Amen. 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 Every head bowed, every eye closed. No one moving, please. In this place, Blumenain, in uh, Johannesburg, 
pots of stroom, Kimberly, all over South Africa, wherever you are tonight. God loves you. You're never going to discover the plan of God outside of Jesus Christ. Maybe you're standing here tonight. You've never given your life to Jesus. Maybe at one time you gave your life to Jesus, but you've grown cold. You've wandered away from Him. I'm asking you to come back to Him. Maybe you're adrift at the sea. Maybe you don't have peace with God. You feel lost tonight. I don't know. But I know think one thing that God loves you. And He sent His Son into this world to die for you so you can have a relationship with God. So it really doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, how low you have sunk. Today, you can make your peace with God and come to Jesus. Is God talking to you tonight? Are you tired, weary, worn out? Sin has worn you out. You've drifted away from God. Then come back to Jesus and find peace and find purpose. Tonight, God brought you to this place to bring you back to Himself. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Tonight you say, Pastor, that's me. Like that prodigal son, I've wandered away from my father's house. Tonight I want to come back. I feel lost. Tonight I want to come back. I need a new beginning with God. Give me the privilege to pray for you. Every head bowed, every eye closed, people praying tonight. That's you tonight. You say, Pastor, that's me. I need a fresh start with God. If that's your desire, quietly, wherever you are, just lift your hand. I want to say a prayer for you quickly. Raise your hand up high now, quick, all over this place. Many hands. God bless you, bless you. God bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Raise it up. Raise it up. I'm going to waste away with other teenagers with drugs. You step out of that tonight. I'm not going to waste away through a promiscuous life. You step out of it tonight. I'm not going to waste away... Uh, and lose myself. You step out of it tonight. You come to Jesus tonight. Lift your hand before I pray. You've not yet raised your hand. Say yes. Include me in that prayer. Tonight I'm going to come back. Tonight I'm going to give my life to Jesus. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. What happened there? Amen. Put your hand on your heart. Pray with me, please, all of you. What a great privilege to pray with you, all of you. There's certain things God's been talking to you about. You've got to do it. Let me tell you how God's grace operates. The grace of God will influence you. And if you don't respond, your heart becomes hardened. It's not something you can play with. You have to respond. Melt. Amen. The Bible says the Spirit of the Lord will not always strive with man. It's, it's like a little bird that, that knocks on a window. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He says, it's going to contend with you always. It's not going to contend with you always. It's going to talk to you and then you have to yield. Amen. It's not going to beg you. It's going to prompt you. You have to make the decision because you're not the robot. And that's living your life as a sacrifice. Will you present yourself to God every day of your life? Will you live for Him? And you choose to shine as a light. Amen. Come on, man. The sky's the limit for you. You live for Him. You stand for Him. You breathe for Him. And watch what God's going to do for you. Pray this prayer with me tonight. Say, Lord Jesus, tonight I give myself back to You. Thank You that You love me. You love me personally. So much that You died for me. For all of my sin. Tonight You touched me. And I open my heart to You. 
and I ask you to be my Lord, to be my Savior. I believe with all my heart you died for all my sin and you rose from the grave and you are alive tonight. I surrender every area of my life to you and I thank you that you will now lead me and guide me into the life that you have for me in Jesus' name. Amen. I, I don't want you to clap. Everybody just put your hand on your heart for a moment, please. Just for a moment, if you would. If you don't want to do that, don't do your sock. I can only ask humbly. This thing. You know your heart has a mind. You have two minds. You think, yeah, and you think, yeah. That's why when you get hurt, you don't get hurt, yeah. You get hurt there. That's why the Bible says, guard your heart with all diligence. Because this is the seat of your life. Everything flows from you. And this is what you have to guard and protect more than anything else. This. That art cannot become neutral. That art cannot become hardened. That heart cannot become bitter. That art cannot become defiled. Keep your heart with all diligence. Don't allow anything, anything to enter that will pollute your heart because it will harden your heart and it will stop the life God has for you. Afrikaanse bewaar jou hart meer as alle dinge want daaruit vloer die oorsprong van die lewe. The English says, the English says, the issues of life. Every issue, boundary, horizon in your life flows from your heart. These hearts need to stay in the hand of Jesus Christ. There it is. This is where He talks to us. This is where He breathes upon us. This is where He writes on the tablets of our heart. So for people to say, I don't know what God's plan is for my life. You have to spend time in the presence of God and allow God to, to, to reveal to you what is already in you. And so I'm not against prophecy, etc. But people go and run to prophets and they're looking for a word, an external word. As if a prophet calls you. Excuse me. God called you and designed you and created you before the foundation of the earth with the knowledge in you of what God called you to do. So when this heart stays clean, and if you didn't, weren't here this morning, you need to listen to this morning's message. I'm telling you for your sake. You need to keep the dirt out. Because when the dirt comes in, overflow will stop. Because overflow flows from here. Not anywhere else. It flows from within. Because you have all things you need pertaining to life and godliness in you. So the question is, how we should allow this to flow from us. Not how we should receive this. How we should allow the blessing we have received to manifest in our lives. Because it's here already. It's in you. Father, sanctify our hearts. Even now as you are talking to people. Every root of bitterness, unforgiveness, resentment. 
Remove it from our hearts, we pray, Father. And as David said, create in us a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within us. Those who sinned against us, we forgive them. Those we gossiped about, forgive us. Help us to be pure. Vessels of honor, fit for the master's use. We present ourselves to you again. We humble ourselves before you. And we pray, Father, that which you have created us for and designed us to do, that you will awaken it in us. Everything that is silencing your divine destiny, that you will remove those obstacles as we give you permission by the sanctification of the Holy Spirit. I thank you, Father, that you move upon every heart right now. Every obstacle, guilt, shame, condemnation, bitterness, rejection, every emotion people are struggling with within, that you will bring peace, comfort, guidance, confidence, assurance to every heart. We are yours. We are your handiwork. And we can do and only do what you designed us to do. But that, Father, is a lot. Because you created us to be eagles that soar to the skies. You created us to be lions, to have dominion. No longer will we cower, stay back, make apologies and excuses. But we stand before you with boldness and we invite you to come and take your place in the center of our hearts and that you will work within us both to will and do your good pleasure. Thank you that your grace toward us is not in vain, but your grace will accomplish in us and through us which you intended to accomplish. We give you the seat, the center, the throne of our hearts. We crown you Lord and Savior of the center of our being. And we thank you that we are established in righteousness for this time to bring glory to your name. We bow before you. We humble ourselves before you. And we ask that you put a watch at the door of our lips, that our words will be few, and that our ears will be attentive and in tune to heaven, and that our actions will follow suit that which you've predestined for us, that your grace and the portion of faith will empower us to accomplish for the glory and the honor of your name. For we seek no other glory, but that glory which belongs to Jesus Christ. Remove from us envy, strife, bitterness, as Paul wrote to the churches, contention should not be in any church. I pray, Father, that as never, your people will be united, families will be united, businesses will be united, 
so that the overflow of God can come. And we will stand amazed, astounded at what you will do. Not even next year, but now before the end of this year, that there will be breakthroughs, there will be releases, there will be sovereign favor, there will be doors, Father. Things will happen that people have been trusting you for as we position ourselves in a right place. Take control, we pray. Have your way, we pray. Let our lives be for your glory. In Jesus' name. Silence the voices, Father, that the enemy will use to exploit the weakness that many struggle with. Build up the areas of weakness. Breathe strength in the broken areas so that your people can be whole and complete and fulfill all that you've called them to fulfill. We submit ourselves to your will. We present ourselves again and again to you as your sons, your daughters, but also as your servants. And we say, Father, use us to make the name of Jesus more famous in our generation. Use us to advance your kingdom. Use us to be unstoppable. Use us to be catalysts. Use us to reform our world and society and to bring hope to the lost and the dying in our world. We make ourselves available. Now I pray, Father, that you will work, that you will release your grace in people's hearts and that you will move people into their perfect place in the body of Christ where you've called them to be. And to you, we give all the praise, the glory and the honour. And everybody says Amen. And Amen and Amen. Come on, give Him a praise. Come on. We hope you received exactly what God had in store for you from this week's message. If you have been touched by our ministry, you can help us achieve our mandate and win the lost at any cost by visiting our website at crcchurch.com. Thanks again for listening and God bless.